Good morning, everyone. I mean, it was, felt like a lot more pressure when there was like 100 people in here, but thankfully everyone's gone now and there's not so many people. It's not so intimidating. It's not so scary because I was definitely feeling the nerves this morning. Um, but we're going to continue um, reading in Mark. Um, so this week we're looking at uh, Mark 12. So I just want to encourage you guys, if you, if you have your Bibles with you, open them up to Mark 12. If you don't, you can go on your phone, you can go on the Bible app, you can open up Mark 12 there. And even if you don't have that, you can go on to Google and you can Google Mark 12 um, and I'm pretty sure you'll find it um, pretty easily. And for those of you who've opened up your Bibles and you've seen Mark 12, you might already see the daunting thing that I saw when I was told I was doing this. It's pretty big. There's seven different stories that you can actually take from Mark 12. Um, and I'm not going to cover all of those this week just because I don't want to just, you know, power read through something. I think every time we read the scriptures, we, we should take our time because actually there's so much we can draw from it. So many life changing things that we can get from scripture. Um, and so I don't want to just rush through the whole of Mark 12. I want to just pick out a specific part. And so that leaves a challenge for you guys already. This week, when you go home, just read Mark 12, read through it yourself and just explore what it says. I mean, you can get through it in five minutes, but why not take 15 minutes? Just take your time. And one thing that I truly love is, you know, if we don't understand the book and maybe we know the person who wrote it, we can go up to the person and say, hey, what do you mean about this? I don't understand what you're writing here. And one of the things I love about when we, we get the honor to read the Bible is that we have access to the author of the Bible. We can pray to God and we can ask God, God, can you help me understand what you're trying to say here? I don't understand what you mean. I don't know what I want to learn from this, but God, will you speak to me? And so God, as we go into this today, Father, I just pray that our hearts would be open to hear your voice, Lord, that we would just take away something, God, of you this morning, Lord. Um, and God, I just pray that our hearts would just be focused on you. In Jesus' name, amen. And so, yeah, that's one thing I just really want to encourage you um, to do. But anyway, rant over about that. Um, let's focus now on um, what we're going to look at today. And what we're looking at today is uh, the great commandment. So if you uh, are in Mark 12 and you scroll down to verse 28 or turn your page to verse 28, um, then you'll see where we're reading from. Um, and so let's just read through it. Verse 28. And one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another, and seeing that he answered them well, asked him, which commandment is the most important of all? Jesus answered, the most important is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. And I just want to stop there. That's, those are the four verses that I want us to look at today. Um, and so, as I said earlier, you know, we can actually pick up something from every bit of text, every bit of scripture. And so, just looking at verse 28, there's something that stands out to me, something that I think is really important. Actually, verse 28 and 29, depending on what version you're looking at, is this. Who is actually giving this answer? Who is giving this response? And as we read this here, we can see that uh, this scribe, this teacher, is speaking to Jesus. He's asking Jesus, Jesus, what is the most important thing? And I think that gives a lot of validation for the next verses that we're going to read. Because I don't know about you, I don't know what you think. I believe that every single bit of text in this is God's word. I believe it's word from God. And of course, there's other authors. There's authors who wrote this. There's uh, people like um, Paul, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, so many people who've written scriptures in, in here. But I believe every single one is God's divine word. But whether you agree with that or not, the person who's actually speaking here is God himself. 
So that, for me, stands out as something as something that is going to be important. These next two verses we're going to look at, they've got to be something important because it's Jesus himself who is saying it. It's God himself who is saying it in the living flesh. It's literally God who uttered these words. And so that makes me really want to pay attention to what it's saying from verse 29 onwards, where Jesus answered. He said this, the most important thing is this, hear, O Israel. Okay, we're not Israel, but that's who he was talking to at the time. But he can be speaking to us in this as well. Hear, O Romney Chapel, that the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And what is that most important thing? It's this. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and all your strength. That's the greatest commandment of all. So it's pretty simple. God asks us to just do one thing. Love God. Sounds easy, right? But he's not just asking for some mediocre, half-hearted kind of love. He's asking for everything that we've got to offer. Everything that we've got to give. He wants all our love from all our heart, all our soul, all our strength, and all our minds. And as I was thinking about this, I've got some cups here to try and demonstrate what, 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 what I was thinking of. Because otherwise, I don't know how I'm going to explain it. So we've got this cup, that's God. This cup, that's others. You know, this is the greatest commandment of all. This is what uh, Jesus tells us that we should put all our love into. And then he says the second greatest thing is that we should love others. But then there's other things in life that we tend to love as well. Sometimes we love money. Sometimes we love power. Um, and etc. And my car common phrase that is. Uh, etc. But that could be anything. Anything that we want to devote our time to. The things that we love, we tend to spend time with. I know for myself, the chances are I'm going to go home and I'm going to turn on Netflix and start watching Brooklyn Nine-Nine, which is what I'm watching currently. It's really funny, I'm not going to lie, but that's what I'm spending my time doing. Or I'm playing Rocket League and playing games on my computer and I'm spending time with that. The things that you love, whether you announce it or not, are the things that you want to spend the most time with, the things that you cherish the most. That could be your mobile phone, that could be your Instagram feed. So maybe money is something that I love. Maybe this love here, so this cup represents my love, that's why it's red, see? I was thinking ahead of time, just about, I only started preparing earlier, uh, these cups. But this is my love that I've got to give. And one thing that stood out to me, so I, I actually started doing mathematics in university, I only did half a year. Um, I ended up changing my course of psychology. Um, maths was too boring. But one thing that stood out to me in this was God says this. He says, with all your heart and all your mind and all your strength. Okay, so he says the word all. So for me, that means something. That means that, you know, there's a finite amount of love that I can give. Because I can't say I'm going to live all my days if I'm going to live for eternity in heaven. Because my days are never going to end. So I can't ever live all of them. In the same way, if I can give all my love, that means it must be a finite amount. This is the finite amount, finite amount of love that I've got. And sometimes I say, do you know what? Money is the most important thing. And I put some of my love into that. And there's going to be water everywhere by the end of this. So I'm going to move my Bible slightly. Um, maybe power is something that you crave. Maybe you spend all of your time on, on your Instagram feed thinking, oh, maybe if I've got 2,000 followers, maybe I'll have an impact in the world and some influence to those around me. Maybe you just can't help resist just spending your time watching Netflix and doing all of those things that you just love the most. That could be anything. That could be, that could be drinking alcohol and going out partying. That could be just sat at home watching TV because, you know, you just can't help but spend time watching EastEnders. Maybe, you know, we spend time going out and loving other people. That's a good thing, right? To love other people. That's what God tells us to do, to go out and love others. But then what happens is, 
If we actually spend our time putting our love into all of these things, then I've only got this amount of love left to give to God. But that's not what he asked from us. This isn't what God wants from us. He doesn't want just this little, small, half-hearted amount of love. God wants everything. He wants all of our love. Every single last drop of it. He wants us to pour out on him. And this can seem like a daunting task. It can seem like the most impossible thing in the world. Um, it is. I'm, like, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not going to say that this is something that is easy. Um, it's not. And I just want to encourage you guys not to be scared by that. Not to be scared by something that seems impossible. Because that's what happens, right? If something is impossible, we don't even set out to do it in the first place. I know for me, if there was something like someone said, hey, go run a full marathon, I'd be like, no, nah, I'm just going to go sit at home and you know, watch some more Netflix because I can't be bothered. I'm never going to be able to run a whole marathon. I did a half marathon with Tom once and I almost passed out halfway through. And then at one point, Tom told me, hey, Ash, come on, we can do this. And then I just started sprinting as fast as I could. And then Tom saw me about 10 seconds later, just on the side like this, <laughs> just like absolutely shattered. But do you know what? I finished that because I set out in the first place. Maybe we'll never get to a position, you know, where we're running a full marathon in under two hours. But, you know, we need to start the race somewhere. Maybe we'll never get to a position where we can actually love God with everything that we got. But let's give it the best shot that we can. And this is the thing that I'm struggling with, right? Is the fact that I know I can't achieve this. I know I'm going to mess up. I know I'm going to fail. And this is what I love about scripture. This is what I love about God's word. Is that... It's like, a, it's like a help book. It just tells us the things that we're struggling with. What am I struggling with right now? The fact that there's this impossible task in front of me. Did other people struggle? Yeah. Paul? If we read in Romans, Romans 7, I'm reading this from the message version just because it, it, it makes it a bit easier to read and just get the heart behind this. Um, but Romans 7, 14, Paul is writing this. And this is literally how I feel when I think about this challenge that's set before us. It says this. I can anticipate... The response that is coming. I know that all God's commands are spiritual, but I'm not. Isn't this also your experience? Yes, I'm full of myself. After all, I've spent a long time in sin's prison. What I don't understand about myself is that I decide one way, but then I act another, doing things I absolutely despise. So if I can't be trusted to figure out what is best for myself and then do it, it becomes obvious that God's command is necessary. I want to just stop there because I find that so interesting that he, he knows the things that he wants to do but he still doesn't do them anyway. And we do that all of the time, right? How many times have we gone, oh, do you know what? I'm going to start this new diet. I say it all the time, especially recently when I've started looking about three, four months pregnant sometimes. Um, but that's because I work with Mike now and he ends up with a lot of fast food <laughs> restaurants. Um, but this is something that, you know, we struggle with. We set things, we set commands and laws for ourselves and we can't even stick by them. And we set our own rules. So how are we even going to stick by other people's rules? And this is what Paul's struggling with. And he goes on to say, but I need something more. For if I know the law, but still can't keep it, and if the power of sin within me keeps sabotaging my best intentions, I obviously need help. I realize that I don't have what it takes. I can will it but I can't do it. I decide to do good, but I don't really do it. I decide not to do bad, but then I do it anyway. My decisions, such as they are, don't result in actions. Something has gone wrong deep within me and gets the better of me to trip me up, or gets the better of me every time. 
It happens so regularly that it's predictable. I find that so fascinating. Even Paul, Paul who wrote the majority of the New Testament, even he says he knows it's predictable that he's going to mess up. And I know it's the same for me. That's why this seems like an impossible task. Because I know no matter how many times I set out to love God with everything that I've got, I know I'm going to mess up. But there's people who've written most of scripture who God used in a massive way. Who are in no different position. They were the exact same as us. We all go through the same things. I'm not up here trying to pretend that I'm someone else. That I'm someone who's got it all sorted. I'm not. Trust me, I struggle with these things too. This, writing this sermon has been equally as convicting to me as I hope it is for you as well. He goes on and says, the moment I decide to do good, sin is there to trip me up. I truly delight in God's commands. But it's pretty obvious that not all of me joins in that delight. Parts of me covertly rebel, and just when I least expect it, they take charge. I've tried everything, and nothing helps. I'm at the end of my rope. Is there no one who can do anything for me? Isn't that the real question? The answer thank God, is that Jesus Christ can and does. He acted to set things right in this life of contradictions where I want to serve God with all my heart and mind. I find it funny that it's quoting back to the scriptures that we were looking at today. But I'm pulled by the influence of sin to do something completely different. I find that just so humbling to see that someone who God has used in such a massive way is a screw-up just like I am. And it really is a great thing, but it makes me realize something. There's things in my life that I do that God doesn't ask from me because he basically sums up the whole, like pretty much this much of the Bible, he sums up all of that there. He sums up in one commandment, love the Lord your God with everything that you've got. And I know I'm going to struggle with that. And there's things in my life that I have in place that actually withhold me from being able to do that. There's things that hinder my progress. Not everything I do is a sin, right? And sometimes we look at things and we go, is it, is it good? Is it bad? Is it sin? Is it not? Like, how close can we get to the line? That sort of thing. There's a third variable that is actually in scripture. Um, and it's this. Is it weight? Is it weight? Is it something that is going to slow you down? Watching Netflix, that might not be a sin for me, but for sure it slows me down in my relationship with God. And am I, am I saying that these things are the worst thing in the world? No, I'm not. But... There was something the other day, a few weeks ago, um, when I was um, at the message at work, um, an old quote that I remembered, and it really, really does stick out to me. And it's this, instead of saying, I don't have time, try saying it's not a priority and see how that feels. So instead of saying, I don't have time to read my Bible, I don't have time to pray to God. How about saying it's not a priority? How does that feel when you say it that way? And you can do that with almost anything in life, but how does it feel when you say that about God, about spending time with him, that it's not a priority? And do you know what? It really does hurt my heart to realize that so many times when I say, oh, do you know what? I just don't have time. I'm so busy. And then I'm like, oh, but, you know, I watched however many. I'm not going to tell you how many many episodes of Netflix I can end up watching a day. It can be quite saddening, to be honest, to to think about it. Um, But I choose to spend my time doing things like this instead of choosing to spend time with God. There's a part in scripture where it says about God pruning us. Um, Come and speak to me afterwards if you want to know the actual reference because I think it's good to challenge that sort of thing. But God says, you know, we need to be pruned. What does that mean? You know, we've got plants and trees that that they they bear fruit. 
as they grow, but you know, you, you cut back the vines and branches so that it can grow better, grow to its fullest, and produce even more fruit. And God wants to do that in our lives. There's things in our lives that are there. We might still be producing fruit. We might still be doing great in our race with God. But actually, maybe there can be more fruit if we let God prune those things away from us. It's a challenge for sure. Um, and it's something that is really difficult to deal with. But that is, that's the gist of what I, I've got from reading just that, that verse alone, you know, to love God with everything that we've got. But this is where I get even more confused. Because the second thing that Jesus says here is this. The second is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. God, how can I do this? I've given you all my love. I've got no love left to give, right? It's a finite amount of love that I've got to give. I can't give anything else here. How can I pour out love onto other people if everything that I'm giving is to you? This is where I believe this extra cut comes in. And it's God's love. I believe if we get to a position where we're so in love with God, our interactions with those around us wouldn't be us trying our best to love them. But in fact, it would be God's love that's pouring out onto them. A love that can actually change lives in a way that I can never change lives. I can try my best to love people, but it can be hard. And when he says here, love your neighbor as yourself, neighbor is everyone. That's the people you know, the people you don't know. It's the people you like and the people you don't like. And it can be really hard to love people that we don't like. But maybe, just maybe, if we were so in tune with God, if we were so in tune with uh, and just loving him with everything that we got, then our interactions with other people, we would realize that they're just as broken as we are. Because, you know, God chooses to love me. It says in the Bible, there's no greater love than this, than for one to lay down his life for a friend. And God did that for me. It says, whilst you are still sinners, whilst you are still in your transgressions, God died for you. He did that for me. And every single day, I basically slap him in the face and do things wrong and hurt him. I, and sometimes I even know that I'm going to do it. You know, as Clive was speaking the other day, he was saying about that whole thing, you know, when the thought comes in and the, it's like a plane and it's coming and it's like you just don't let that thought land. You know it's already there. You already know this sin is going to take place and yet you let that thought land. I know that if I do this action, it's going to hurt God and yet I choose to do it anyway. I don't know if this is convicting anyone but just me, but even if it's just me, I mean, I'm happy with that. But I really do hope that this is convicting some people today because maybe... Just maybe if we were able to love God with everything that we had, those interactions with those people that we, we, we find it hard to be around, those interactions with people that we maybe dislike, maybe even we say we hate them, maybe we'd realize that they too, just like us, are God's children. That they too need the same Lord and Savior that I have and that some of you guys have here. And you, you are able to proclaim that he is your Lord and Savior. Everyone needs the same Jesus. I'm no better than everyone else. One of my favorite sayings of all times was from a guy called Di Hanke. I don't know whether he made up this saying, but he said this. He said, I'm just a beggar telling other beggars where I found bread. I'm not better than anyone here, and I'd never think that I am. Trust me, because I know more about myself than I know about any of you. I know my mess-ups more than I know anyone else's mess-ups, even the ones that people don't know about. And so I don't think that I'm better than anyone else, but do you know what? I found something and his name is Jesus Christ, and he's changed my life, and I know that he can change anyone's life here too. If we're just willing to put our trust in him, if we're willing to just follow this one commandment, to try our best to love him with everything that we've got. But there's another thing, there's another struggle that we have with this. 
another struggle that we have with that whole thing of loving others as ourselves. And it's this. We're in a world right now where um, mental health issues are on a rise. Like, it's so obvious. We see it every day. And so many people that I know, including myself from time to time, don't know how to love ourselves. So how can we love other people as we love ourselves if we don't know how to love ourselves? How do we get around this? I think it goes back to that whole first commandment again, you know, that if we love God with everything that we have, if we are willing to put our time and our effort into God, then we would realize our true identity in Christ. We would realize, you know, that we have value. We'd realize that we have purpose. We realize that there's someone on this earth who loves us so much that he's willing to die for us. Sometimes, you know, a lot of times when we're dealing with things like depression and anxiety, there's lies that have been thrown at us. No one loves you. That's a lie. If you were so in love with God, you would know that. You would realize that because you know that there's someone out there who loves you enough to die for you. That's what the devil does. The devil, he's deceitful. He's sneaky. He's a little git. (laughs) He is. And do you know what? Jesus... He dealt with the same guy. Jesus was in the desert, right? How did he deal with Satan when he was telling these lies to him? He said this in response to everything Satan said. It is written. And then he said what it was written in the scriptures. He used what God's word said to fend off the enemy, to fend off the devil. It says in the Bible, again, come and chase me up on this if you want to know where it's from, that the, the, the word of God is sharper than a two-edged sword in our spiritual battle against the devil, against the enemy. Are we equipped? Are we so in tune with God? Are we loving God so much that we know what his word says? That in moments of despair, in moments when there's lies going through our minds saying you are not worth anything, that we can actually get out the scripture and say, do you know what? I am fearfully and wonderfully made. God knows the number of hairs on my head. It's amazing. It's amazing the truths that are in here because, you know what, I believe everything that God says is a promise because God never lies. And so everything that God says about me is also the truth. So I do have a purpose. I am loved. I am special. I am God's son. We are sons and daughters of the king if we accept Jesus Christ as our saviour. And that's amazing. But until we pick up this Bible and start reading it, We're not going to know what those truths are. We're not going to have that mighty weapon that God has given us so that we can live our lives to the full. That's what God wants for us. And does it involve difficulties and hardships? Yeah. Because pruning, like, I don't know. I don't know if, you know, plants have feelings and they they get hurt or whatever. But I can imagine if someone just cut something off me, I'd be in pain. And that's what pruning can feel like. It can feel painful when people take things away. Like, I can imagine giving up my computer and saying, nope, I'm selling it would be like the most weirdest... I, I can't even imagine what life would be like without it, to be honest. Because I spent so much time in it. But actually, God wants me to prune away some of that so I can get fuller, that I can get more fruit with Him, in Him. And so there's three things today that I really just want us to take away from, from, from these only four verses. See what I mean? If we spend time just trying to pick apart what the Scripture says, we can actually learn so much about God I mean, not just reading through it, but these are the three things that I really want us to take home with us today. The first is this. What are you going to pour your love into? What are the choices that you're going to make? Are you going to choose to love money, power, other things, those around you? Or are you going to choose to love God first and foremost? 
the thing that he says is the most important thing that we could ever do? What are the things you're going to pour your love into? The second is this. What are the things that need to be pruned in your life? Is it going to be easy? No. Is it going to suck? Possibly. But I can tell you what. From experience from myself, there's the times when I actually get rid of those things and spend time with God the most that it feels the greatest. But sometimes then I just get caught up and don't do it because it's some, it can be hard work. It's like going to the gym, right? Like going to the gym, like it's hard work. And I've done it before, a long time ago. Um, and I'm not a fan, I don't like it. But I know every time I have gone to the gym that I come out of the gym and I'm like, yes, I feel amazing. I feel so good about myself. And I'm, like, I'm ready to go, I'm ready to go about my day. But then the next day I'm like, yeah, I'm going to go to the gym to, again tomorrow. No, I'm not, I'm going to lay in bed. Oh, this is so much easier, right? And then you even know it can be hard work. Actually, the feeling, the rewards for the, that hard work can sometimes be a really massive payoff. And I believe spending time to prune away those things, even though it might be difficult, but to spend time with God even more than we already do will have massive payoffs. And the third is this. What are the scriptures that you're going to hold with you every day as your mighty weapon against the devil's lies? I believe that this is sharper than a two-edged sword. I believe that this can change your life. What are those scriptures that you're going to hold onto you every day? I don't know. Like, for, for, for me, there's been times when I've struggled with things like social anxiety in the past. Uh, massively for a stage of about two or three months where I thought everyone was completely against me. But maybe, just maybe, if I was reading the Bible at that point in time more than I was, I'd realise that God says, hey, there's no need to be anxious about anything. Maybe I'd realise that, you know, I'm, I'm held in God's hand and no one can actually pluck me away from his hand. Maybe I'd realise the truths about myself. Maybe I'd realise that, hey, even though these people might be laughing without me, I'm still valued, I'm still loved, I still have purpose. So does everyone here. And don't, don't ever, ever give in to the devil's lies. I really want to encourage you with that. But what are the scriptures that you're going to use to fend him off? So those are the three things I really want you to just, as you go away, just think about this week. And also the challenge of, you know, go and pick up your book, pick up your Bible, go on the app um, and read Mark 12. And there's another thing that just before I finish, I want to just encourage you guys this morning. There's a few people, you know, we've started doing these Bible studies um, every week and it takes about less than 10 minutes a day um, just to go on your phone, go on the app and and do this Bible, um, Bible study. And... There's two reasons that I think it's a really important thing to do. Because one, I want you guys to grow in your faith. I want you guys to know what the word of God says, to have your weapon. And two, because I want to grow in my faith and because I want to have words that I can take with me throughout my everyday life to help fend off the enemy as well. And it says in the Bible that iron sharpens iron, or just as iron sharpens iron, so does one man sharpen another. And I believe that as a church, we can grow into a mighty weapon if we actually work together, because I know it helps me to read my Bible when I'm accountable to those around me who are saying, hey, do you know what? And sometimes I get annoyed by it. Mike Thomas will message me in the morning. He's like, I've noticed you haven't read the Bible app for two days. I'm like, oh no. And then I feel guilty because I know it's something that I should be doing. Sometimes we just avoid it, you know, and think that it will just go away. But the best thing to do is just go and start running and tackle it head on. Will this seem impossible? Should we be daunted by it? No, because it doesn't matter 
how good we are at it. As long as we give it our best shot, I can guarantee that things will just start to change in your life, in the way that you, you feel about yourself, and the way that you can approach and love other people. So what are you going to pour your love into? What things are you going to prune from yourself? And what are the scriptures that you're going to take with you on a daily basis to fend off the enemy? Let's pray. Father God, I thank you that you are here, that you are present with us this morning. God, I pray that um, the things that we've shared from your scripture, God, I just pray that it would settle on our hearts, Lord, that we would be challenged, that we would be convicted, God. Um, And God, that we wouldn't just sit idle, but we would do something about it. God, running sounds like the most disgusting thing in the world, but Lord, I do pray that we would just start running with you. And even though it's going to be hard, even though there's going to be tough roads ahead, Lord, because do you know what? The devil doesn't like it, God, when we start spending time with you because he gets scared. Let him be scared. Let him quake in his boots, God. Let us be your mighty powerhouse for you, God. I just pray, Lord, that you would just point out those things in our lives, in my life, Lord, that you want me to just prune away, start to strip away so that I don't just completely lose sight of you. And God, I just pray that you would speak to each and every one of us this week in some way or another, that you would place a scripture in our heart that we can use mightily as defense against the enemy. God, we thank you and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen.